This message entitled Second Win is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. This is the second message in the series run. Please enjoy Pastor Kevin Queen as he delivers this teaching. We hope it serves you well. Welcome to 12 Stone and week two of our series run. Now, I got to let you know, when we were kind of brainstorming and thinking about what to call this series and we settled on the, on the name run, we, we didn't have any idea, like we, we didn't even think about the fact that there are people who have an adverse reaction to the word run. Like there are people who hate running. So I thought it might be good just kind of as a confession. Um, if you hate running, just go ahead and put up your hands. If you hate running, show of hands. That's right. It feels good to, good to confess. And, uh, and I was thinking, you know what? We, we should have called the series something, um, something like, that everybody loves, like pizza. That's what we should have called. We should have called the series pizza. So, so let's, let's do it again. How many of you hate running? Okay. How many of you love pizza? Show of hands. If you love, if you love pizza, not good. Now, now, how many of you who are runners... You run because you love pizza, right? I know that's the reason that I run is, is so, I can, so I can eat all the pizza uh, that I want. Now, when we talk about the series Run, what we're talking about how is the spiritual life, the Christian life, this, this journey of faith is like a race. In fact, it's one of the primary metaphors that Scripture uses to describe the Christian life. It says that we are, we are running this race. Now, when we hear the word race, I don't want you to think of a sprint. I want you to think of a marathon. It's more like an endurance race than it is a 50-yard dash. And in fact, all throughout the scripture, when you read the Bible, you find all these verses that speak to the, to the journey of faith like a run. In fact, let me show you one, one to you. This is from 2 Timothy. This is Paul talking to his son in the faith, Timothy. And he's saying, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. So this is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to Timothy, and he's, he's coming up on the end of his life. He, he, he doesn't have much longer to go, and he's saying, Timothy, I've completed what God has called me to do. I've finished the race. I can see the finish line. I'm almost done. And Paul is letting Timothy know that he, he's accomplished the mission for which God has called him to before he takes his last breath. Now, being a pastor for years, I've I've been next to many people as they've been on their, on their deathbed. I've sat by hospital beds and hospice beds with people as they've taken their last breath. And it's a, it's a sacred responsibility and it's a sobering, um, sobering moment. I drive away, I'm just praying for the family, but then my thought also goes to, you know what, there's gonna be, be a time when, when I'm laying in a bed like that. There's gonna be a, a time where I have my family and, and my friends closest family and friends closest to me. And there's going to be a time when you're in a bed like that. I know we don't like to think about this, but there will be a time when we're at the end of our life. And, and man, how amazing it would be to be able to look back over your life and say, I've finished the race. I've finished what God has called me to. I've completed the race that he's, he's made me for. And what Paul says is, Timothy, there will be an award for me. There's coming a day when there will be an award ceremony. And uh, when I finished the marathon in Charlottesville, Virginia, there was, a, there was an award that was given. In fact, I, when I crossed the finish line, right after I crossed the finish line, they gave me, um, they gave me a medal. And, uh, and I was looking at this medal, and I was thinking about this medal. This is the award for, for, for finishing uh, the marathon. And, and I was like, man, I don't, 
I don't know how much one of these costs. I mean, maybe, maybe two, three dollars in materials, but I'm going, it's, a lot, it's, it's worth a lot more than that. And you start adding up uh, the travel and the flight and the hotel stay and the meals and the time off. You start adding up all the training that went in, three months of training. You add in the tempo runs and the, and the long runs on the weekend. It's worth a lot, a lot more than that. And this is significant. It's valuable because they give this to you when you cross the finish line. They don't just hand these out. They don't hand these out when you sign up. They don't hand these out when you show up. You have to finish the race to get the award. And what Paul is saying is that one day we'll receive an award. One day there will be a reward that's given. He said, I will receive the crown of righteousness. Now the crown of righteousness is, is a costly award. It cost everything for Jesus. Jesus paid the price for that crown at Calvary when he laid his life down on the cross. It's a costly award. And Paul said, one day I'll get that crown. And, and when I get that crown, it's not going to be for me to hold it up for everybody to see. It's not going to be for me to put it on my mantle in heaven. It's not going to be for me to, you know, kind of click a selfie with my crown on. And it's not going to be for me to, me to tilt my crown and, you know, kind of walk around with swagger and post that selfie up online, hashtag YOLO. It's not going to be for me to point to myself but the purpose of the crown is for me to take that crown and to put it at Jesus' feet. And say, so Jesus, all the race was for you. My entire life was for your glory. My entire life was for your name. My entire life was for, for your renown and the crowns that we receive in heaven to put those crowns at his feet. But one day, we'll come to the end of our race. Now, the goal of this series is that you'd be encouraged, that you'd be inspired, that you would be motivated to run your race, to run the race that God has called you, called you to. And let me just tell you, I really don't care. I don't care if you go run a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon or a full marathon. I don't care if you go sign up for a race. The furthest you run might be from the couch to the kitchen to get some pizza rolls. That's, the, that's okay. But what, I, what I'm not okay with and, and what I care deeply about is that you run the race that God has called you to. That you run the race that he has created you for, that he has made you for, that you, that you run your race and you run it with perseverance and you fulfill that which God has for you. The race that's marked out for you. And that's why for these two weeks, we're looking at three verses. We're looking at three verses in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to go ahead and turn there together. Hebrews chapter 12 in a worship center Bible. It's going to be page 1213. Go ahead and turn there with me. And as you're turning there with me, and let me just say, if you don't have a Bible of your own, I want you to know that there is no book on the planet that has impacted my life more than this book. It's challenged me, it's shaped me, it's, it's taught me about who God is, it's revealed who I am in him, it's, it's loaded my life with the promises of God, it's given me wisdom when I have to make decisions. It's been a gift for my life and such a, such a source of, of hope. And so if you don't have a Bible, then we wanna, we wanna make sure you leave with one today. You can stop by guest services on the way out and let, the, let one be our, our gift to you. Put your name in it, read it. You don't wanna go through the race of life without God's word. And, uh, and so I want us to look at some verses today, three verses, Hebrews chapter 12. We're gonna pick up in verse one. The text says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And those are three great verses. And those three great verses tell us how to hit our stride in life. 
And when we talk about hitting your stride, we're talking about where you're most efficient, where you're most effective, where, where in this race of life, you're, you're maximizing your potential. You're running the race that, that God's created you for, and you're doing it the way that he, he made you to run. And, and so this verse is telling us that if you want to hit your stride, you got to let go of what's holding you back. If you want to hit your stride, you got you to fix your eyes on Jesus. Like we talked about last week, if you, if you want to hit your stride, you got to fix your eyes. So to hit your stride, you fix your eyes on Jesus. But also, if you're taking notes today, if you want to hit your stride, you got to run your race. If you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write that down. If you want to hit your stride, you've got to run your race. Now, Hebrews 12.1 says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here's what I want you to know, is that you were created specifically for a race. God has crafted a race for you to run. He has planned a race for you. Before you took your first breath, God and his sovereignty had a plan for your life. God has a plan for you. In fact, look at this scripture from Jeremiah. It says, before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. It's incredible. Before your parents ever thought of you, you were in the mind of God. And he planned your life. He has plans for your life. He's put you together. He hardwired you with passion and talent and ability and giftings that would, that would uniquely position you to fulfill the calling that he has for you, for what he has for you in your life. And there's a special work that only you can do. There's a special race. There's a race that only you can run. There is a race marked out for you. Now, how do you know your race? Like, how do you know what your race is? And I think this is a question that, that we all want to know. This is something, how do you know the race, the specific work that God has for you? How do you, how do you find that race? And, and I think this is why many times we kind of have a tendency to treat God like, like Google Maps. Where we go to God when we got a major decision to make, when, we've, when we're trying to, we're at a crossroads and we're trying to figure out what to do. And we go to him and we're like, God, I need direction. I need, to, I need to know what college to go to, or I need to know what job to take, or I need to, I need to know what major to pick, or I need to know, do I, do I date um, Larry or Lonnie, or do I, do I marry Sally Joe or, uh, or Lucy, right? If, 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 if you're considering marry Sally Joe or Lucy, um, I can't help you, but, but you wanna know, like, what do I do? What decision, what house do I buy, and what, what car do I buy? And we've got these major decisions in life, and we're going to God like his Google Maps, and here's where I think, Here's where I think that gets us in trouble is that, is that God is not just most focused on giving you turn-by-turn -turn directions. That God wants a relationship with you more than he wants to be your Google Maps. And see, I don't, I don't love Google Maps. I don't, I don't think about Google Maps. I don't worship Google Maps. I don't sacrifice for Google Maps. I don't build my life around Google Maps. In fact, I only go to Google Maps when I need directions. I think sometimes, maybe oftentimes, we treat God like that, where we only go to him when we have a major decision to make. But we wanna know our race, so how do we know the race, the unique race that God has for us? And the race, your race, is found in the context of a relationship with God. If you look at verse one, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. What that's saying is, is draw near to him and focus on him and, and pursue him. And the more you pursue him, the clearer your race becomes. 
I made a decision earlier on that I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to fix my eyes on his word. I'm going to fix my eyes on his will. And every single day I'm saying, I want to, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to be more like you. I want to be more like you as a husband and more like you as a father and more like you as a pastor and more like you as a leader and more like you as a friend and more like you as a son. I want to be more like you every single day. And if you'll pursue, if you'll make that the great ambition of your life to know him, to pursue him, what you'll find is that he opens up doors and opportunities for you. That he will, he will unfold his plan for you. If you'll fix your eyes on him, he will get you where you need to be. But more than getting you where you need to be, he'll make you who you need to become. It comes from fixing your eyes on him. He doesn't want to be your Google Maps. He wants to be your heavenly father. He wants to be your savior. He wants a relationship with you where he can guide you. You'll fix your eyes on him. Jesus said it this way. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. In other words, if you seek him first in life, he's gonna take care of the other things. He'll get you where you need to be and he'll make you who you need to become. Let me show you a picture. Uh, this is Ed. Now, Ed, I met on the, on the race. I was a couple miles in and I came upon Ed. And Ed was, he's like the official pace setter of the race. Ed is uh, Ed's the guy who, who lets everybody know by the way he's running, uh, how fast you have to be if you want to be in the four hour group. Now I ran the marathon in four hours and a half. And so, uh, so I, was, I was a little bit behind that in my pace. And, but I, you know, I saw Ed and he had you know, that, that, that orange vest on. I thought, you know what, I, I wanna run with Ed. And so I started running with Ed and I, I was going with Ed. We started talking and I'm finding out all kinds of information about Ed. I'm just asking questions because I'm, I'm kind of bored because I've been running, you know, about six, seven miles. And I started asking questions. I found out about Ed, found out about where he's from, about his family, about his wife, about his daughter that plays volleyball, about his kids that's going to college. I mean, I'm, I'm learning all this stuff about Ed. And then while I'm talking to Ed, I got this other conversation going on in my, in my, in my mind. And the conversation is, you know what? I didn't train for this. Like I didn't train at this pace. I didn't train having a conversation. I didn't train on these hills. And so I'm thinking, I began becoming um, a little bit more exhausted. Now, now, it's great because I got a new relationship. I got my buddy Ed. Ed and I are running together, man. We were friends. We were, uh, I'm like, you know what? I, I don't think I can keep this up. Because after a couple miles with Ed, um, I am, I'm starting to be exhausted. I'm starting to, I'm going, man, I like the new friend, but I don't like the way I feel. And so uh, I said, Ed, you just, uh, you just go on. I'll catch up with you later. I never caught up, never caught up with it. Ed's still waiting for me. Uh, Ed's still waiting. And I, I was thinking about that, and I was, I was thinking, um, if you want to hit your stride, number two, you got to find your pace. You got to find your pace. Listen, God has a pace for your race. We can't run ahead of God's timing in our lives. God's pace <laughs> seems to always be slower than mine. We can't microwave things. We can't speed things up. The scripture has a word for this. It's called waiting on the Lord. Man, I, I hate to wait. Don't you hate to wait? I, ha I hate to wait, but it's in the waiting that God builds perseverance. It's in the waiting that God builds endurance. It's in the waiting that God builds, builds a soul. But what I discovered in the, in the race and what I discovered is true about life is oftentimes I'll look around and I'll see other people that seem to be going faster than me and I wanna go at their pace, not at God's pace. I, I wanna move, I wanna, I wanna run like Ed. I don't wanna run like me. But there's a pace that God has for you. 
And maybe right now in your life, you're looking around and you're seeing that it seems like other people are going faster. Maybe, maybe you're single right now and maybe you're looking for somebody to date or maybe you're dating somebody, but you're seeing everybody else seems to be getting married. They're going faster than you and your pace has you, has you slower. Or maybe you're looking around and you're thinking, man, everybody's having kids, but you're struggling with infertility. Maybe look around and other people are getting the promotion. It seems like, like you're stuck. Um, maybe, maybe right now you're... Uh, you're looking at some friends who, who got, a, got a new house or and you're, uh, you're kind of upside down. Or maybe somebody just got a new car and you're kind of holding yours together with duct tape, right? And we get in those positions where we look around, it seems like other people are going faster and we're being called to wait upon the Lord. And listen, you're never going to fulfill your God-given calling if you're comparing your calling and God's timing in your calling with other people's calling. We forget that God doesn't waste the waiting seasons of our lives. It's in the waiting that he builds perseverance. In the text, it says, run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. That word perseverance is made up of two parts. The first part means to remain. The second part means under, to literally remain under pressure. Perseverance is the ability, it's the capacity of the soul to endure, to remain under pressure. 48 hours after the marathon was over, um, do you know what was most sore on my body? It wasn't my feet, it wasn't my knees, it wasn't my hips. After running 26.2 miles, what was most sore was my jaw. I didn't realize until, until 48 hours after I was done that I clenched my jaw the entire time. And listen, when we run the marathon, when we run the race, there will be times where we realize I'm so tense and I've been carrying so much pressure, but it's under that pressure that God builds perseverance, that he builds the ability to wait upon the Lord. Let me share an Old Testament verse about running. Isaiah chapter 40, it says, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will, they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And so when the text says those who wait on the Lord, it isn't just some kind of passive kind of deal where you just check out of the race and you sit on the curb and you watch everybody else run. Waiting on the Lord is an active, it's a hopeful, it's a moving forward. It's, it's continuing to press in and it's sometimes painful. And it's saying, God, I don't know how things are gonna work out and I can't see what the future is gonna look like, but I am clinging to your promises. I'm holding to you, God. I'm continuing to move forward and I'm trusting you. See, waiting on the Lord is continuing to take the next step. When, um, when Pat Summit, who was a legendary women's basketball coach for University of Tennessee, when she battled through Alzheimer's, she had a, she had a mantra of perseverance. She had a motto that she, that she had etched on her, on her heart. She said, left foot, right foot, breathe. You might want to write that down. Left foot, right foot, breathe. I love that. When, when the pressure builds up, and you're dealing with disappointment and you're dealing with discouragement. You're dealing with disillusionment. You're dealing with depression. You just remember left foot, right foot, breathe. And you take a deep breath in and you know that God is closer than that last breath you just took. Left foot, right foot, breathe. When you face opposition, and we're all gonna face opposition in life, and you wanna give up, Hebrews 12, three says, consider him. It says, consider him. Look at the second part of verse three. 
It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It says, consider him. It says, think on him. Set your thoughts on him. Consider what he endured on your behalf. Think about what Jesus faced on the cross. Think about that he was betrayed and that he was, he was scorned and that he was, he was that everybody he loved turned their back on him. Think about that he was deserted and left alone. Think about that he was mocked and that he was ridiculed. It was a public spectacle. Think about that he was, he was handled with trumped up charges, treated like a criminal, that he was beaten, that he was scourged, that he was nailed upon a tree, and that the sin of all humanity was placed on him. Consider him what he endured on your behalf. So when you face opposition, when things get tough, think on him. Fix your eyes on him. Think about the cross and what he endured for you. And what it says, it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before him? I'll tell you what the joy that was set before him was. The joy before him, it was the fulfillment of the Father's will. It was for the glory of God. But the joy that was set before him was you. You were the joy that was set before him. It was your salvation. It was your redemption. It was that you could be made right with God. The forgiveness of your sin. You were the joy that was set before him. The mission of your salvation pulled Jesus through the anguish of the cross. Consider him who's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider that he's seated now. You know why he's sitting? Because he's finished. Because the work has been completed. You know what I did after I ran that marathon? I sat down. Actually, I laid down and I rolled around for a little while in agony, but, but, I, but I sat down. Eventually, I sat down because I was done. Jesus is seated on the throne because it is finished on the cross. That's what he said. And he's seated on the throne because a tomb is empty. And because the very same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Jesus is still active in the world. and He's active through the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Now, Put this in your notes and you can, you can write this down because I want you, to, want you to think about this. When, when you get discouraged, when you get disillusioned, when, when you feel depressed, when you don't know if you can go on, if you need a second wind, consider him. If you need a second wind in life, consider him. You know what a second wind is. It's that moment when you're running the race and it's a beautiful thing. It's a feeling that you get when, when you were once exhausted and you were running on empty and you were overwhelmed and you wanted to quit, it's that moment where, where you're energized. It's that moment where, where, where adrenaline pumps through your body. It's that moment when endorphins, when you have that, that runner's high and, 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 and maybe, maybe surroundings were once blurry, but now things come in focus and, and your training takes over and you're running like a machine and you're feeling good. That's a runner's high. And that's a second win. Maybe you're thinking, you know what? I'd just like to get my first win, right? <laughs> Maybe you want a first win. But I want to say a second win is coming. And when you need your second win, consider him. I want to uh, show you what a second win looks like. Um, seven miles left in the race. Uh, my wife, Ree, jumped in with me. And she, uh, she ran with me. And she filmed this. Check this out. You going to finish this? Yeah, babe. Seven. Yeah, babe. Can we do it? Absolutely. All right. You're doing great. You feel good? Mm-hmm.
my woman was running by me, right? And I found my second wind. I mean, there was just all kind of, there was all kind of energy that came from that. And uh, my, my helper, my encourager. And Jesus told us that he would send an encourager. He said, when I go, it's better that I go so that I can send an encourager to you. I can give you the Holy Spirit to be the, the second wind, to be the wind in your sails, to help you run the race that I have for you. An encourager, an advocate, one to come alongside you. And so he gave the Holy Spirit. In fact, after the resurrection, the disciples were afraid. They were locked up in the upper room and they were afraid for their lives. And Jesus came into the room. I love that. The doors are locked and Jesus came into the room. Disciples are all there. He sneaks up on them like a ninja and he, uh, he says, boo. No, he, he didn't say, he didn't say boo. This is what he said. Look at this verse. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on them. He said, here is your second wind. He said, I'm sending you out into the world. I'm sending you out to go carry this message. I'm sending you out to carry the kingdom. I'm sending you out to make a difference in the world. But before you go, you can't go in your own strength. You need, you need the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. And I love this picture because in Genesis chapter two, when God creates Adam, he kneels down over this, this dirt man that he created and says, he breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. And Adam opened up his eyes and he saw the face of his God. And he was awakened. And there was an awakening that came from God breathing life in Adam's nostrils. And Jesus gives this new awakening that comes from breathing on his disciples and giving them the Holy Spirit. And what God wants you to know is that he wants to fill you with his spirit. That you receive his spirit. You receive power for the race. Don't run this race in your own strength. And even sometimes when I get overwhelmed and I get discouraged. And I don't know if I can keep going on. I don't want to give up. I just take a deep breath and I pray, God, fill me with your spirit. And when I pray that, there's, there's something that happens. I'm, I'm reminded that there is a strength that is greater than mine. I'm reminded that God wants to empower me. I'm reminded that what he's called me to and what he's called you to, that he didn't design this race to be run in your own strength or in my own strength, but that we would be empowered by his Holy Spirit and so when I find myself tense, when I find myself clenching my jaw, when I find myself overwhelmed, I just, God, fill me with your spirit. Consider him. If you want a second wind, if you need a second wind, consider him. And when I take that deep breath and I, I breathe in, something happens and my, my heart grows. It's like I, I receive I receive power. It's like I get bigger on the inside. It says, consider him who faced opposition. Jesus faced opposition for you. And if Jesus faced opposition as he ran his race, if we're following Jesus, it should only make sense that we're gonna face opposition in our lives. In fact, if you don't face opposition in your journey, um, it's probably good to, to figure out which race you're running and who you're following. Because when we follow Jesus, we're gonna face opposition. And opposition Sometimes affirmation that we're doing what we're supposed to do, but we're all going to face opposition. I remember when I went up to run the marathon the night before, um, I've always heard if you're going to run a marathon, you need a carb load. And I love carb loading. That's like, my, that's like what I'm best at. Like I'm really good at, at carb loading. So we go to a restaurant and I'm eating all this bread and I'm, I'm just taking in the carbs. I mean, I love carbs. And so I'm, uh, I'm doing that. And at the same time, I'm drinking water because I heard you need to drink a lot of water. So I'm just putting away water, putting away bread. It's a really good night. And, uh, and as I was sitting there, the waitress keeps coming over and she's filling up my glass and, and she's getting a little bit aggravated. I can tell she's 
getting a little upset because she's continuing to have to, I mean, she just bring a water hose out. I mean, she's, she's, she's a little, um, little done by having to make so many trips with the water pitcher. And, uh, and she asked, she was like, um, why are you drinking so much water? And my wife, Rhea, and I are having a nice dinner. And I said, you know, because, um, because I'm, I'm running a marathon um, tomorrow, I'm running a marathon. And she said, you're running a marathon? She said, you, you don't look like a marathoner. So I look at your wife, and, and, and your wife looks like she runs marathon. Your wife looks like she could really run a marathon, but you, you don't look like you could run a marathon. And so I said, you, you don't look like you're going to make a big tip. Um, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's not what I said. Um, but I thought, you know what, we're going to face opposition. You know, there are going to be people who, who tell us that, that you're not good enough and you're not smart enough and there's no way you can do that. And, and when you're running your race, there are going to be people who cut in on you and they discourage you and say things about you. There are going to be people who, who try to hold you back to, from fulfilling that which God has called you to. You're gonna face opposition. And when you face opposition, here's a, when you face opposition, here's what we're good at. We're good at considering the opposition. We're good at studying the opposition. We're good at, we're good at weighing out all of the opposition. But what this text tells us, instead of focusing on and majoring on and concentrating on considering the opposition, we should consider him. Because when you consider the opposition, you grow weary and lose heart. But when you consider him, you grow heart and you lose weary. I wanted you to take that home with you and put that, put that in your notes. You can fill in those blanks. That when you consider him, if you find yourself growing tired and you find yourself facing opposition, know this, that when you consider him, you grow hard and you lose weary. That those who wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will walk and not grow weary. They will run and not be faint. He wants to give you a second wind. He wants, to, he wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants you to run the race that he's called you to. And he wants to run it at, at your pace, at the pace he set for you, to wait upon him so he can renew you with his strength, so that he can give you the second win that you need. And I wanna pray with you for that. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for Jesus, that he went to the cross for us, that he took our sin, that he took our shame, that he endured the cross for us, that we were the joy that was set before him. So Jesus, would you be our joy? Would you be our prize? Would you be the one that we fix our eyes on? And God, I pray for those right now who are discouraged, who feel defeated, who wonder how things are gonna work out who are in a place of waiting and just don't feel like they can endure. I pray for that perseverance. God, I pray that you would continue to give them the left foot, the right foot, the breathe. I pray that their direction would be aimed toward you and that you would strengthen them and you would empower them. And I pray that they would fulfill the race that you've called them to. God, I pray that you would give them opportunities as they don't grow weary and lose heart. I pray that you give them opportunities to, to, to share with others, to minister with others, to help others along the race, to help others join the race of knowing you, of fulfilling their God-given call. God, I pray that as we run this race together, that we will look forward to the day when one day we will take the crowns we receive, the awards we receive, the rewards of pursuit of you and knowing you, and we'll place them at your feet. 
and declare all glory and honor goes to the Lamb of God. Our life for your glory, for your namesake. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.